I watched like 20 minutes of the Netflix show Love is Blind, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about how horrible it is. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Just so you know. Turn. Oh my God. I know. It's like occupying a large amount of space in my brain right now. Do you need I'm to talk about it? Do we need to have like a, a sidebar? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Top Shelf, where we keep the hot takes and the hard liquor. I am Hannah Beavis, here with your co-host, Michelle J. Michelle, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, I'm very full because I had homemade chicken tortilla soup. Leftover mm. homemade chicken tortilla soup for dinner tonight. That and homemade good. bread. Oh, that sounds real good. All leftovers, but still good how was your how was your bread making excursion this was probably our best attempt of two because we got a like digital scale holy shit for the kitchen <laughs> uh it was like ten dollars on amazon uh and so we were able to measure out all of the ingredients in terms of weight which is how it's supposed to be done i guess mm-hmm. and it, it definitely it made a noticeable difference really like off the bat that's something that i've been like mildly considering but not seriously looking at because like all the baking shows i watch like people use scales instead of like the measuring utensils it just Um, seems so intense but it like i wouldn't have thought that one was that affordable yeah i mean it has like one button on it (laughs) okay well i guess two it has like on on tar tear whatever that means you know that word no you know like what you put like what you like if you're measuring in a bowl right Uh you like put the bowl on the thing and then you hit t-a-r-e and it like zeros it okay Uh, yes and then it has another button that just like changes if you're doing like I don't really know what it changes, like how to describe what it changes. It's like it changes it from like ounces to like liquid ounces to like one other thing that I don't remember. Okay. But it was literally like $10 at the Amazon store. Mm -hmm. I will have to investigate that. Yes. Um, Did you know there are actual Amazon stores? No. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. The mall by us and actually a mall by my parents' house has what's called four star. And it's a store that sells Amazon products that are rated four stars or more. Ah, that's really cool. Yeah. So that's, this is there. And you can like pay with your app. So you just like open your phone and log in and just like hand them the barcode and it just like scans it and it goes like into your app and like recent purchases. And so Amazon can tell you what else to buy. Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, can also do returns there. It's great. It's very intense. I know. Ah, that's cool. Uh, I don't know how we got started there. Oh, the bread making. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's good. I like like. It's good because we have homemade bread, but it's bad because like, you have to eat it so much faster. Yeah. Yeah. So for two people to eat like an entire loaf of bread, you end up eating like, 
a lot more. Not than you want, but like a lot. I mean, you have to eat it quick. We, my downstairs neighbor um, bakes a lot, and she brought my roommate and I like a loaf of challah bread recently, mm. and it's it's the same kind of problem where it's like we have this whole loaf of bread, and we got to figure out we got to make sure we eat it before it goes stale. And like even when homemade bread goes stale, it doesn't go stale in the same way that like store bread does. Yeah. Do you know that? So it's not like as full of preservatives as store yeah. bread is. So, I mean that's a problem. I guess it's a good problem to have though. <laughs> yeah. Homemade More bread's bread. always a good thing. Yeah. Um, but how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh we had a long weekend. I went rock climbing with a friend, which was very fun. Indoor rock climbing, should specify. I was gonna say, I think it's a little cold. Uh, yeah. Also, I'm not confident enough in my ability to climb like an actual rock outside. <laughs> I'd prefer to do it on like a preset course. On a fake rock. Yes, on a fake rock with handles and like soft, cushy mats. If I fall. Yes, those are good things. Mm-hmm. But I have blisters on my hands from that, which is not mm. not ideal. But it was fun. It was a good time. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I am drinking water because, um, I've already napped once today Mm. and I don't need to fall asleep on the podcast. That's fair. I also kind of forgot. Well, so I drank the wine that I was saving Mm. for today last night. So. Gotcha. That happens. Sorry. That's all right. I was crafting and it was getting frustrating. So I. What were you crafting? Uh, stuff for the wedding. Mm, fancy. I'm making paper flowers rather than buying mm. real flowers and underestimated how much work that is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. So yes, I'm drinking water. What are you drinking? Uh, I believe it's the same thing I had last week. It's a uh, hot chocolate with rum chata. Okay, have we gone over what rum chata is yet? I feel ever? like I feel like we I I have to have had it on the podcast before. It's like a it's like a cinnamon it's like a cinnamon sweet drink. Huh. It's like a like a I don't know if this is exactly it, but like a milk-based rum, a milk-based liqueur that tastes so more it's like, like creamy. Yes, yes. It's like if you combined creamer with cinnamon with alcohol. You, you could really dr- like your cream-based alcohols, don't you? I, I really do. Because <laughs> I drink hot chocolate all the damn time. So I just need something that I can pour in to with my hot chocolate. To That's just, true. To just make it a little boozy. Hmm. I do. I do like my cream-based liquors. That is an accurate <laughs> statement. <laughs> uh, who are you toasting tonight, Michelle? Um, tonight I'm toasting an entire team. So... Mm-hmm gonna break the mold a little bit I don't, I don't know why i said that as we do anyway uh so this week uh gabs fundero wrote a really really fun story over on her site um at even strength i'll try to make sure to link to this somehow when the episode goes up or just go find it on her twitter <laughs> um so she wrote a story about how quinnipiac's bus broke um and the in- and princeton the Princeton hockey team picked them up. Um, so my toast is to the Princeton hockey team for being open to sharing a bus with a conference rival. Um, 
Gab's story is like really interesting. It talks to a bunch of the players. There's some like really sweet moments, but it also does a little bit better job of explaining the fact that like the ECAC has travel partners. Um, So like, that's why like Princeton and Quinnipiac were at the same hotel and like fairly close to each other to be able to do that is because of how ECAC schedules um, all of their games. So cheers to Princeton. And I guess Gab's for telling a really heartwarming story when we need it. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Definitely go read it. Gabs is very good at that. She's very good at tugging at your heartstrings. She is. Even in person. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, who are you toasting? I am toasting... I forgot. Give me a second. Um, also, I'm <laughs> We to- literally... I, I flipped to the note sheet whenever you asked me who I'm toasting. I did the same thing, and then I, it took me longer to flip to the note sheet than I thought it was, so there was an <laughs> awkward pause, and I was like, <laughs> gotta say Ooh. something. Gotta say something. Um, I'm also toasting a group, not a whole... Well, I guess you could call it a team. Um, it was announced recently uh, that for International Women's Day on March 8th, there's going to be an all-female broadcast crew and production crew um on the blackhawks blues game um for nbc sports um the play-by-play person is going to be kate scott and then kendall coin schofield will be inside the glass and aj maleshko will be an analyst but also Catherine tappen is going to be in the studio and she's going to anchor uh jennifer botterell and um the producer is going to be Renee Hadalid, and there's going to be a director, Lisa Seltzer. Apologies if I mispronounced anyone's name, but I just wanted to toast them because it's really, like I read this and I was thinking about how many times we see all-male crews and how noteworthy this was, that this was going to be probably the only time in, until the next International Women's Day that we'd see an all-female crew. And that's if there's an NHL game on. Archie. Right. Yeah. Next year or uh. whatever International Women's Day is. Granted, I don't really know how the NHL schedule is. There could be, and I could just be making shit up, but there probably is. And I think also like with the the USA Canada games, the rivalry series, which we're going to talk about later, they've done a pretty good job about having a lot of women in studio to break that down. Jana Hefford has been on a lot of the calls um, as like an analyst. She's been in the studio a lot. Yes. Yeah. Cassie Campbell, uh, perhaps also noteworthy, has been uh, on air. Um, and um, for the Hartford game on NBCSN, AJ was on that too, right? Yes, thank you. I was yeah. like, it's what it's a person. <laughs> it's a person. Uh, yeah, yeah. AJ I mean, was the, on that. Just speaking of speaking to that of that, I would have loved to see more all female um, rivalry series mm-hmm. broadcast. I mean, that's not even touching on the fact that Rod Black doesn't really know how to call a hockey game. Uh, <sighs> which is like a whole other conversation mm-hmm. or maybe one that we should be having in this episode, but later. Um, but I feel like there are plenty of play by play, female play by play announcers. Mm-hmm. Don't you call them? I pay people. I don't know. That could have done rivalry series games. Like why did we have to have rod? Even though, I mean like I know it's on TSN and um, this, this group is on NBC sports, mm-hmm. but like, there's got to be somebody out there, right? I mean, clearly, because they've been able to get a six-person, Kate, Kendall, AJ, Catherine, Jen, plus producers, like, and we know that there are, like, Tessa Banam and um, 
thinking of. And yeah, Tessa would be great. And Cassie Campbell and like. And okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Kate Scott isn't like a hockey announcer. Correct. I don't, I didn't recognize the name. I don't know. I just Googled it. And I don't think she is. I think she just like does a lot of any NFL. Interesting. So like TSN, what you doing fam? NBC? No, because TSN for the rivalry series. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And I wonder, like, because, like, Jada Hefford could have done something. Tessa Benham, Cassie Campbell. Like, yeah. my, my initial thought was maybe, because a lot of the, the like, up-and-coming, I guess, like, color or play-by-play people are current players. Like, Kettle Coin is participating in this, and, like, Megan Duggan, and I think Haley Skarupa has done something with NBC in Washington, D.C. Like, and so it's like, if they're playing, they can't do color, but, like, that's not the only... That would be a plot twist. That's not the only... I mean, they did that, right, with Kendall at the the NHL All-Star game. They put a mic on her, and we're like, hi, Kendall, here's warm-ups. Can you talk to us, too? Which, like, Probably would be better than some of Rod Black's commentary. Yeah. Let's just mic up Kendall for the entire thing. I'd be down with that. Um, Shannon, Zab- um, Shannon Zabados. Like, Liz Knox. I do know. Okay, so wait. It turns out that Kate Scott's actually with the Pac-10, Pac-12 network. Oh, um, okay. I don't know what that means. College sports. <laughs> I was going to say college football, but I'm not sure if it's exclusively football. Um, it was just funny how you were just like, college. Um, college, pause. Which which college sport? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but one thing that like I super appreciated was um, Kelly, the Whitecaps play-by-play mm. person, mm-hmm. was in the running for this, um, <sighs> for, the, for Kate Scott's spot in I- this. I did not. Thing. I did not see that. No. Oh my god, yeah. that would have been so good. I know. I probably would have freaked out pretty hard. Um, but like, Kate, that's, or Kelly is awesome. That's what I'm talking about. Is like we have it, like Erica Ayala, um, Kelly, like the the broadcast team for the Whitecaps, Kelly Joe and Kelly Schultz and, and Kelly Alexis. Schultz. Um, Alexis, thank you. Like Pearson, Pearman, Pearson, I think. I'm sorry, Alexis, if we're getting your name wrong. Like, those are three people who are uh, getting consistent reps in, which is also something we're going to talk about, uh, but on the ice later. Like, are calling games regularly that know women's hockey really well. And I think that's the gripe that a lot of people have is with these announcers that, like, they just kind of waltz in, looking at you, Rod Black, and, like, (laughs) repeat the same three facts that they've repeated for the last ten years and... That's it. They're not giving any kind of analysis or about what the game itself is happening. It's just, I mean, and the sad thing is that, like, Rod, it's Rod, not Rod, right? <laughs> I believe it's Rod, yes. Well, whatever. He can barely hear the probably, names right. We should right. probably Why get his name right if we're going right? to. Um, yes, it is, it is Rod with a D. I mean, it's just like he's done enough of these games now at this point that, like, he just parrots off the same thing. Um, I don't even I don't even care if he's repeating the same three stats. I would like play by play. Like oh yeah, that's listening true. to him it's just like talking about quotes and I'm like I care about what's happening on the ice please. Like can we there's a time and place to do color and it is not 60% of the game. I talked about this a little bit in a um 
wraparound article, a wraparound post I did, mm-hmm. where I basically complained for like 300 words about the broadcasting. <laughs> um, and about how Rod, like, just doesn't seem to... Sorry, I have the hiccups. Hold on. This happens every week. It's all right. Yeah, but these are, like, real hiccups this time. Whew. Okay, we're good. Um, I mentioned how, like, Rod never talks about the game. Mm-hmm. Like, uh-huh. like, what's actually happening on the ice. He just, like, tells us about all the same things over and over again. Uh, and, like... Not even in an interesting way. Um, I know, like, a lot of hockey Twitter, like, hates on Pierre Maguire Mm -hmm. because he, like, always mentions, like, the college that random NHL player went to or, like, the youth program. Mm -hmm. But, like, Rod Black doesn't even do that. He just, like, spouts off about their personal lives um, or their, like, male relations. And Mm -hmm. it just, like, that doesn't add anything. That doesn't do anything to help grow the game at all. And it's not giving, I think what bugs me is that it doesn't give a lot of context for a lot of people who maybe are tuning in for the first time to know about these players. Yeah. Like, if you do talk about, like, talking about women's hockey oh, players, like, what... sorry. No, keep going, sorry. Like, no, talking no, no, about going. their college, like, who, what college team do they play for? Have they been nominated for the Patty Cas? Like, what's happened at the Bean Pot lately? Like, yeah. that's all interesting stuff that can give you connections to something outside of just the USA Canada game. So maybe you go and you watch a game if it's close to you or you buy a streaming package or something. Just that get... was one thing I'd mention is that like mate like the one like devil's advocate point I made is like, okay, so maybe like you have to reintroduce viewers to these players and like a good way to do that is to tell their story, but like why is their story only like a minute part of their lives? And like I guess you could argue that with, like, NHL games, like, if someone's tuning in for the first time. But, like, the NHL, NHL broadcasts are not always the same. They are, yeah. like, you take what happened in the previous few contests or, like, relevant information and weave it into something that's happening that's current. Like, staying in the past is stale, and it's, like, lazy broadcasting, in my opinion. It's very rod. And it's not, I think we should clarify that it's not just Rod doing this, but it is Rod who is uh, exemplifying a lot of these things in his broadcast. the most repeat offender. Rod is Exhibit A, or perhaps Exhibit B for Black. That was (laughs) was bad. That was a bad joke. (laughs) But I had to say it. It was right there. I was going to be mad at myself if I didn't. Um, Uh, Moving on. uh, What else happened with this rivalry series? There's bad announcing. There's bad announcing. <laughs> also, the trophy? What did you think about the trophy? I didn't realize they were going to get a trophy at the end. I didn't realize they were getting a trophy at the end until they got a trophy. I thought that was kind of funny. It kind of was kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know it's how funny I feel. in like a weird way. Like, well, like the trophy, like the trophy design itself also. Hold on, I want to try and pull this up. I just like didn't, I, I didn't, uh, why a trophy? To make it official, I guess. I don't know. Do they like want to feel more special about it? I want to know how much the trophy cost. Actually, how much did it cost to make that? Um, I can't find a picture. I I know that's what I'm looking at too. It kind of reminded me of like a World Series trophy. It just like seemed like wildly unnecessary. Well, like, what do you think they do with that trophy? Like, did Canada have that trophy last year? I don't think so, because isn't... 
How long was the rival? Wasn't the rivalry series just like three games last year? Yeah. Still, Canada was like, we won. I don't remember there being a trophy last year. I'm sending you a Google search because I found it. It's like a little, it's like three hockey sticks that kind of make a, like a little, what looks like a cup with a USA and Canada flag cut through Didn't the middle. did you feel stupid having to host that thing in the air? Like it's a, yes. If I, I feel like, I'll bet, I want to know, I want an informal player survey on how many of them knew they were playing for a trophy and how <laughs> many of them were just like, oh shit, we get this? Cool. Also, who has it? Where are they keeping the trophy? At USA Hockey, where's that trophy right now? I thought you were answering the question, and it's just like there's like a little like it's on a filing cabinet at USA Hockey's offices in Colorado. It's Which just is like probably where it is. I just don't get it. I don't know. It's it's interesting because it's nice for them to have <laughs> made for a good photo op. It's just it's. I don't know. Give me, like, the plate that they get at Worlds. Don't they get a plate at Worlds? No, I think no, they, they get a trophy. They don't. I don't know what I'm thinking of. A WWE belt. Mmm. A golden puck. I don't know. My favorite trophy is still the golden helmets of the, um... <gasps> of the, yes! um, SHL. Oh, that's a... You're right. You're right. That's the best thing. That's the best one. And isn't, like, the current leading scorer, like, where is it in each game? Is it, is it the KHL that I'm thinking of? I think that's the KHL. I don't think they change their helmets. That would be, a, be wrong, though. That would be a lot of work. But, yes, I also – the golden helmets, yes. Um, that's the best trophy in all of sports. It's not the Stanley Cup. Don't at me. It's literally helmets. <laughs> Um. What else? Do we want to talk about the college? Now I'm looking at pictures of other trophies. What what other trophies are you looking at? You need to send me these links. You can't leave me hanging. Well, look at how small this trophy is. The 2016. Oh, that's uh, tiny. I'm so sorry to our listeners for who are listening to this as an audio medium who can't see these pictures. Look at how small this 2016 trophy is. It's like for oh my god, that's Courtney Burke. Yeah. <laughs> and Sarah and Jenny oh, Ryan. Wow, this is a throwback. Yeah. Um it's a WCHA championship trophy, if that means anything to anyone listening. The the cup itself is probably about as big as a player's head. Um Not, I mean as tall oh, as tall as a player's head, it's I should like, clarify. Not as like round as a player's head. That was a really bad I just need to stop. <laughs> It's let's just say it's small. It's a small trophy. <laughs> it's really funny looking. It's pretty cute. Yeah, such a little trophy. Um, sorry, I got really distracted. Excuse me, it happens. It's literally our brand. Um, the ice card. The ice card. Well, the, something we're gonna like recap the most recent like half or like three games of the rivalry series three and, like, fits yes three fits and like one of the big differences that you brought up michelle was how like mainly for usa the roster looked different because in the december games there were college kids play who p- were playing and in february they were at college and so it was like a, a different look 
mainly for USA because I think Canada mostly stuck with an older roster. When I went through and looked, the only college player I found on there was Jamie Bourbonnet. Um, whereas USA had... Sydney. Yeah, they definitely... Sorry, what were you saying? Sorry, USA had Sydney Broke, Kayla Brown, Barnes, Kelly Brown, Natalie Buckbinder, Britta Curl, Jesse Copper, Claire DeGeorge, Aaron Frankel, Maddie Rooney, and Abby Rock. Which is a significant chunk of the roster. Yeah. Um, I am trying to find the rosters from um, the Pittsburgh series, which mm. they did in place of Four Nations. Um, Four Nations? Yeah, Four yes, Nations. Yes. Because uh, Canada swept those two games. Yes. And I remember them having a very, a much younger and much different looking roster. And coming into the rivalry series, being a little surprised about how they stuck with their kind of like old guns. And like, that's not even the right way to say that, but well, like they're, they're veteran players. Yeah. And I just, I don't understand how many times Canada has to lose and how many times I have to watch USA's kids have success because like all these college players who played in the first half of the, the rivalry series, they did not look out of place. Like, they were able to keep up with everybody. They were able to contribute in really meaningful ways. And, like, a lot of them, just not not just a few of them. And, like, you look at somebody like Daryl Watts, who's in Canada's system, like. Well, Daryl isn't on any of these rosters. I know, but I'm like, like, why? (laughs) Why is she not? Um, I mean, I think that's a larger question. Then. Also, just going to take one more pot shot of Hockey Canada while we're here. And, like, if you're going to keep your older players, taking Anne-Sophie Bataille off the roster was not the move to make. Yeah. Getting rid of that older player specifically was just as bad as not having your college kids on here. That's just... Um, Anyways. Yeah, that was... That was... That was a... Uh, oh wait oh no Anne Sophie wasn't on it I heard she was hurt oh I take it back um uh, she did really well in the first half she did mm-hmm. in Canada and Pittsburgh had Sarah Fillier mm, Fillier Fillier um Kristen O'Neill Ella Shelton Claire Thompson Emma Maltese uh, that was just the first game. Let me switch to the second game. Um, Ella Shelton? Is she a collegiate player? Yeah. So. Uh, Mika Zandi Hart, mm. who we frequently talk about as yeah. the uh, never-going-to-leave-college player. <laughs> um, USA had Kayla Barnes, who also, I always forget, is like this junior or sophomore or something ridiculous her and maddie rooney i'm like they're still in college should they have graduated like three years ago i thought they were done <laughs> sophia shaver i think mm. is still in college as well um are, for are the they, u.s are they in college or just graduated sydney broat um i mean granted in pittsburgh usa lost but that's a different story but i just i sorry i have the hiccups so badly tonight I just find it interesting just like how nothing seemed to really change for Canada in this mm-hmm. in these three games considering they were so close together there could have been room for change and um we didn't even mention that 
Canada had a new coach for these three games. Yes. Um, Troy Ryan was replaced, uh, or Troy Ryan replaced Perry Pern um, in early December, I think, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe early January after coaching the Pittsburgh series. Yes. And then um, had been a, like a pretty long time assistant coach to Perry Pern. Nern. Yeah, he's been an assistant coach with Hockey Canada, the senior team, for three years. He was an assistant coach at the most recent Olympics. Um, and like you mentioned, Michelle, was the winning coach at that Pittsburgh sweep, which I guess they were kind of hoping would be able to give Canada like a shot in the arm for the the February half of the rivalry series, which like they did get a win in overtime in Victoria, which was their only win of the series. But And I guess... I just- I guess those games were closer because the the Anaheim game went to overtime as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like the one thing to consider or question there is like how much influence did he have over the roster? Yes. You know, coming in, he came in in Jan- the beginning of January, um, not the beginning of December, the beginning of January, mm-hmm. you know, and you have three weeks, probably four weeks until the tournament. Um, how much influence did he have um, versus how much will he have? in the future mm-hmm. that I think will be something to watch, especially as we go into worlds being in Canada this year. Mm-hmm. And I guess that was something that I, I also was a little confused about. Cause like, yes, you do want to win this rivalry series, but looking at it at a larger picture leading up to worlds, I would think that you would want to see as many players as you can play. And maybe that's what Canada was trying to do at the Pittsburgh series with some of those younger players there and just not in the rivalry series games, but I mean, I think it's, it's the timing of this rivalry series is the February stretch was tough because like your college kids can't leave your team at the beginning of February. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you're like making your really big final pushes into the playoffs and in your standings. And so it's unfortunate that the timing had to be as such with worlds. Um, I, I have a feeling that was like the only way this would work is early February. Um, because even like January, early January, then you're like right up against when the first set of games were. Um, and this kind of like lets the hype build for the February mm-hmm. half of the series. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of unfortunate that you can miss out on like a few key groups of players, I think. Talking about the college kids and how good they looked, like, do you think part of that is that they are playing a more regular schedule? in the NCAA and then are able to kind of, I mean, you have to adapt to new teammates, but it is also like, you know, you've been playing a lot of games all season. This is just another game, albeit against some increased like competitors. Yeah. I mean, I really think that like, in my opinion, there's been a huge difference in the level of play in these rivalry series games this year compared com- at this year as compared to last I mm-hmm. promise I can talk about <laughs> three um and I think like in addition to the college kids uh a really good like example of that is how we've seen Alex Carpenter like really flourish mm-hmm. um across the five games I think she had three points um two assists and a goal and was the player of the game I think in back in December in Monk, Moncton, Moncton. I don't know how to say that. Sorry, I'm Uh, yawning. I think Moncton. And that's, I mean, she's getting regular reps over in um, China and Russia while playing for 
the Vanky Rays. Uh, and I thought she just had, she had a really interesting quote. There was like kind of a, I guess a feature on her in the New York Times uh, earlier in February where she pretty much says like getting in these regular reps really helps her. Uh, the Bozak and her teammate Alex Carpenter have been playing in Russia's, I'm not even going to try to say that, um, hockey league to work on their game, giving them a leg up on many of the Olympians and other elite players. Um, but their story is also about how hard it is to make a goal of a life of a blah, 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 blah. It's talking, it starts talking about like some PWHPA stuff, which isn't relevant to this current conversation. Um, and then there's a quote from Carpenter. The physicality has been very helpful. Those teams just never give up and they always go. So I think playing against competition like that mm. and very skilled players is definitely helpful. Um, mm. That is interesting. And Corcoram, Corcoram calls her one of the most consistent players uh, of the group that season, or of this, of the group this series, I guess. I don't know. I never know what to call like the national team season. Like, is it a season? Blah, blah, blah. Kind of. Uh, so I just thought it was interesting that like we see Alex like kind of directly point to the fact that she's playing well because she's playing regularly, mm-hmm. given the fact that almost like ninety nine percent of these rosters aren't playing regularly at all because they're all PWHPA members. Yeah, with the exception of the college kids. Yeah, and Megan Bozek and Alex Carpenter who are over in, yes. uh, with KRS. It's just, I mean, and we've talked about this before, like in relation to the NWHL. Well, no, well, no, I'm thinking Katie Burt and I'm still thinking she's with the pride. That's not true. But like how you've talked about Michelle, how you've seen her struggle because she's not getting consistent reps in. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just kind of a continuation of that. I think previously I've mentioned that like the goalies, I kind of feel the worst for because they aren't getting the consistent reps, the game speed reps that they might need to stay sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, I think worlds will be interesting. Mm-hmm. I will also say this before we, like if we want to talk about worlds more carpenter getting more reps probably helped, but the line that she was on with Kessel and panic. Oh yeah. Has was really like consistently one of the top lines in most mm. of the games. And like, it was really good to see because Kessel and Carpenter, I think, for me, have been players that have flashes of brilliance but have struggled to carry that across a whole game. Yeah. And I think putting them with on a line with Kelly Panic, who has been known in the past to be able to like be a kind of a, a silent, like silent but deadly player. Yes. Yeah. Who's uh, good at like helping cohesion of a line i guess yeah so she's a playmaker no matter who's around her yes and she makes Um, the people who are around her better yeah yeah that line was like crazy good Mm. um uh they also had Haley skimura yes with hillary knight and hannah brandt and the three of them looked so good Mm -hmm. yeah they Uh, combined for the game-winning goal in Vancouver for USA. Yes, they had two of the four, two of the three goals mm-hmm. in Vancouver. I think I don't think they were together in Anaheim. 
No, because it looks there's Cameron Easy had a goal and Skamura and Decker were the assists. Yeah. So it looks like they split them up. But Skamura is a player who's been on the bubble. So it was nice to see her like take advantage of that opportunity that she got with all the college players gone. Yeah. She's one that I'll be interested to see how it plays out for Worlds. Like, what does this make you, like, think about Worlds going into it? Like, mm, Confusion? I think it'll be different at Worlds this year uh, because it's 10 teams, for starters. Mm-hmm. And also just given the current climate in that, like, pretty much all of Canada and USA's lineups aren't playing regular hockey mm-hmm. where I feel like, um, other countries, players, you know, SDHL players, mm-hmm. um, Nastin Liga. Yeah. Thank you. I was like the one in, fin- um, yeah, the one in Finland, ah, they're, they're getting regular reps. Mm-hmm. And like, I just, I think that's going to make a difference. I'm very interested to see that. And I'm also interested to see, like, in terms of uh, a third team, like, Finland made it to the gold medal game last year. It was in Finland, the world championships were. So I'm interested to see if they could potentially pull off that upset again in a more, like, hostile environment in Canada. Like, not in front of a home crowd of how many thousands of people. I'll also be interested as to how Canada does on the flip side of that in Mm. front of a home crowd. They have a lot of pressure on them. They have not done very well at Worlds yes. for the last, like, almost decade now. Yes, um, there's lots of pressure. That's, that to me, it's like, I don't know how you lighten that. Because well, I, I guess Canada performs well under pressure, but like, in the past Olympics, in the past World Championships, in this most recent rivalry series, like, they've just, they've come up short again and again and again and again. And I don't know what else you can do to change it. They've already, they just changed coaches. I think we'll see a very different lineup in April. I hope so. And I'm very interested to see what it is. Mm -hmm. Um... Do we want to talk about, speaking of, you kind of touched on attendance a little bit, but do you want to jump over yes. to that? Yes, I do. Um, we had a record for most attended women's national hockey team game on U.S. soil, which is like the most qualifiers for that I've ever seen in my life um, in, in, in Anaheim, which was 13,320 people which is awesome which is yeah it's great um interestingly like a week later or so that number is quote-unquote beat by the badgers fill the bowl mm-hmm. game at 14,361 um, and according to nicole hazy's tweet that is the 15th highest attended women's hockey game Mm-hmm. I think because this this like pack the bowl game like regularly brings in that kind of number of crowds because I think also in a later tweet or in that same thread she said that last year's game was over fifteen thousand attendees yeah so like it is pretty like at everyone who says that women's hockey does not have an audience I don't think so because like clearly if it's marketed well which Wisconsin which wow 
which Wisconsin does with this fill the bowl game. Like, and, and what we've seen in Anaheim now too. Yeah. I mean, I think it was really interesting to see how much the ducks pushed, um, the game, Mm -hmm. like the Anaheim ducks, like the NHL team. Uh, they had like, I think a couple, at least one clinic built around the game. Um, they are pushing it hard on social. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, in a, when Hannah and I were talking about this episode earlier, um, as we were prepping for it, I called it um, the duck factor, the duck push. Uh, the mighty duck factor, you might yeah. say. Yeah, I set you up. I wanted you to... Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> as a softball, uh, thank you. I I think that's, like, pretty important mm-hmm. to look at. And, like, I think that's maybe something we could get into more later or, like, in the off season, is how NHL teams or, like, how people are marketing games but I definitely think it's interesting. Um, I actually tried to look for the attendance for the other three games, four games, um, but I was only able to find in Hartford, they had 7,126. Okay. In Hartford. Yeah. 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 I don't know what the numbers were for the other games, Um, but sorry. Yeah. I, well, I looked for them and I could not find them at all. Yeah. Um, well, like, Which is kind of disappointing. I think, I mean, I don't know what, what these arenas' capacities are, but, like, Moncton doesn't, isn't, like, a major Canadian city in a way that, like, Vancouver is. So I don't know what the the building capacity was playing at a, at a place like that. We're in Victoria, which I think is still, like, bigger, but this is, I'm just completely bullshitting. I have no idea about Canadian geography. <laughs> I don't even know where they are. I know that Victoria and Vancouver on the West Coast, because that was the second half of that. Correct. But what I'm trying to find out with the Ducks, Michelle, is that it looked like their like ticket sales team was pretty heavily involved, and specifically like Molly Schaus, who I think has a a role with the Ducks as like a um a fan develop a fellow a manager of fan development and marketing at the Ducks. It looks like um, she was posting on Instagram a lot about like around the game and like with a staff that looked like had helped sell tickets. But it was nice to see an NHL team lend that kind of support, especially one who's like, I guess, doesn't have a pro women's team near them, but still yeah. made the commitment to trying to pack the place. Also, what blew my mind was that the record was. 10,158 set in 2002. So, like, 18 years ago. Yes, I did that math correctly. Yeah, I mean... I'm trying to think about other big games that have been held in the U.S. since then. But, I mean, the fact that they've never played in a building that could, I don't know, potentially even hold that much since 2002. Salt Lake City... Olympics. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Where did that they... would have been February of 2002. Oh. Which okay. still would have been after this. Yeah, after but, but, if you, but if you market it as a lead up to the Olympics. Mm, that, yeah. It was at Joe, than... Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit. So people who probably who weren't near Salt Lake City who couldn't go to the Olympics, get your look now before they go win gold medals. That's true. That makes a lot more sense, actually. But yeah, still, I was shocked at how 
like long ago that was. Yeah. Um, Salt Lake City Olympics. The venue for ice hockey had a gross capacity of 8,400. So even if they sell out, yeah. You're still pretty small. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other places, other times it could have been. Well, because when they went, when they were in Worlds in, um, not Detroit, you went Plymouth. In Plymouth, yeah, that was like a really small arena, like maybe three thousand, four thousand, five thousand. Yeah. Um. So that wasn't a ton of seating capacity. I don't think any and Aganis for the Time Is Now tour what doesn't come close to ten. Hmm. Have they played in any other NHL arenas? No. I mean, like, CWHL was in Ottawa's NHL rink, but that wasn't... But that's not a national team event on USA soil. Right, right, right. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, it's in Canada. And it has to be a national team event. Yeah, then I don't know. Shit. Yeah, I think we just exhausted all of my... (laughs) That's crazy. I know. Wild. I hope it continues. I hope this is a trend that continues because clearly it's working. Like with this, just with just with this Anaheim stop, but like with the tour in general, like that you were able to get almost eight thousand in Hartford, as well as like whatever the numbers were in Victoria and Vancouver and Moncton. Um, do you want to talk about anything else? No, I think that answers all the ones I had all right that answers all the ones I had but that hits all the points I had mm-hmm. that was a weird way for me to say that. <laughs> Michelle where can we find you on Twitter at Michelle underscore J-A-Y-3 where can we find you on Twitter you can find me at Hannah underscore Beavis one B-E-V-I-S uh, if you have questions that you want Michelle and I to answer on the show you can tweet them at us using the hashtag top shelf mailbag um uh, you can also listen to Beyond the Boards, which is a shorter interview-style podcast uh, in this same feed as Top Shelf. Um, our schedules have been a little uh, in flux the last couple of weeks, but we are going to get back on schedule. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.